What You Need to Know is brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times. Less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Alex, what do you have for What You Need to Know? So, we have uh, Mark Hoppus. He's the bassist for Blink-182. Are you, do you guys listen to Blink-182 at all? I mean, I'm familiar with the band. I know some of their work. I'm not like a Blink-182 like zealot or anything. Yeah, like I'm not the kind of guy who would be like, yo, Blink-182 is coming to town. I got to get front row. But I'm familiar with their work. Saw them yeah. in concert. They were okay. Okay, yeah. okay. They well, were good in the back in the day. They were. They are very popular. I mean, they, they still have a pretty good following. But Mark Hoppus, who back in June 23rd, he did announce that he was undergoing treatment for cancer. But today, a very, very happy day for him because he took to Instagram and posted, just saw my oncologist and I'm cancer free. Wow. Thank you, God and universe and friends and family and everyone who sent support and kindness and love. Still have to get scanned every six months and it'll take it'll make me... Uh, until the end of the year to get back to normal. But today is an amazing day, and I feel so blessed. Can I get a W in the chat? So instead, you know, we're not going to the chat right now. Can we give him a W here on the show? Yeah, absolutely. Congrats to him for sure, yeah. man. That's, that's uh, awesome. That's great news. Hey, Alex, no did it say uh, what kind of cancer he was battling? He had a lymphoma. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, stage four. So now he, oh, he kicked, he kicked wow, some butt. Wow, that's a big comeback win. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah and he, that he, is a W right there. And he's a big Dodgers fan. So, yeah, we have to definitely give him a big W. Yeah, no doubt. So, well, thank you. There it is. That's what hey, you need to know. Brought to that you guy. By, yeah. yeah. That is what you need to know. Brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times. Less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. All right, real quick on the, uh, the Rams. So, the Rams are playing the Cardinals this weekend. Cliff Kingsbury, okay, is the coach of the Cardinals. And he said today on his conference call that he has been watching Matthew Stafford since high school. And, you know, Cliff's a young guy. I mean, I want to say they're almost around the same age, to be honest with you. And he says that Matthew Stafford as an arm talent is absolutely quote unquote legendary. And he's right. Like Matthew Stafford's arm ability and I don't mean by just the fact that he throws a great deep ball which clearly he does but the fact he can throw it at different angles he can throw it on the run you know I remember Deshaun Jackson at training camp when we were there cap talked about how you know everyone talks about Patrick Mahomes doing like these no look passes like Matt does this stuff all the time um he's a really good quarterback and I think he's he's kind of getting his just due finally where people are like hey yeah I mean, maybe he wasn't just a compiler and putting up stats on a bad team. Maybe he's really good. And and I'm really happy for him that he's getting this notoriety right now. Well, listen, George, there was a reason why practically every team who was trying to acquire a veteran quarterback at the end of last year really wanted Matthew Stafford. It's, it's no surprise as you watch him through the first three games why Sean McVay wanted him and why Kyle Shanahan wanted him. Um, Kyle Shanahan had a Super Bowl team two years ago, and they went out and got Jimmy Garoppolo, and obviously he's not performed the way they had hoped. Um, and, uh, you know, he's just – Jimmy Garoppolo is not a great passer. He may prove to become one, but he's just not. And you can go back to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and remember he overthrew a, a wide-open receiver that could have changed the entire game. But what we're seeing out of Matthew Stafford – is something that I just didn't know. Now, the coaches who know, the coaches who study film and the coaches who break down you know, players and, and scout and look into free agency, they obviously all knew. You know, But, but when, when you don't watch Detroit Lions football every week and you don't sit down and watch it and you're just catching highlights or you're catching you know, the, the Red Zone channel like we talked about yesterday, 
you may not have known. And I put myself in that category. I just didn't realize what Matthew Stafford really was. I knew he was a great high school player. I knew he was a really good college player. I knew he was a top-round draft choice. I knew he put up huge stats. But I didn't know that he is what I've seen through the first three games. And with regards to what Cliff Kingsbury said, by the way, 42 years old, what Cliff Kingsbury said, again, is something I can't say I really knew about Matthew Stafford because we all think of Brett Favre taking the ball from his right hand, putting it in his left hand, and just sort of giving it away and going, wow, what a play. Or we, we think about Mahomes and how he can gyrate his body and, and different angles with his arm. That's something I didn't know that Matthew Stafford had in his game. And through the first three games, we've already seen examples of it. So very impressive. Um, definitely uh, was in the, the camp of, I got to see it to believe it. And through three games, I mean, I, I think he's better than advertised. Yeah, no, I think he's really good. Um, and I think he's always been really good. But when you play for such a terrible franchise and it's arguably one I mean how many more would you say are worse in sports like the Clippers certainly had that stench for a really long time till Balmer took over basically well I guess right before Balmer when they were had CP3 in them but I just kind of equate it all with Balmer for the most part um like the Arizona Cardinals speaking of uh, you know the Cliff Kingsbury and who made the comments about Stafford I mean they had a stench about them for a really long time too they did. I mean, I think about other teams around the NFL. I mean, just to compare them to the Detroit Lions, who have had a winless season. I mean, I think of what Cleveland has been prior to the Stefanski takeover and right. Baker Mayfield becoming, you know, one of the premier caliber quarterbacks in the NFL. The New York Jets are a pathetic and sorry yes. right. organization. Yeah. Uh, you can throw the New York Giants in there as well. Um, right now, the Atlanta Whoa, no, Falcons. I disagree with that. I mean, the Giants have been a more model franchise. Oh, Eli Manning won two Super Bowls. I'm just saying, since Eli Manning is done, they've been changing coaches over oh, and over, and they've just been horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, but, but I think Atlanta, believe it or not, is headed for one of these disasters of a. I, no, I, I'm just talking about like historically. Like, like, it doesn't have to be about like right now or whatever. I'm talking about like historically, the Lions are one of the worst franchises in all of professional sports here in America. There is no doubt that they are. That is yeah. absolutely true, and they've had you know huge superstars that are, have become Hall of Fame players playing for an absolute garbage franchise. Right. Barry Sanders literally ra would rather retire than play for them. Calvin Johnson, the same, same thing. thing. Like, that's all you need to know about how bad they've been, and that's why Matthew Stafford getting this opportunity now is pretty freaking awesome. It is, and you know what else is awesome? Is the story of it all. Imagine that. Matthew Stafford is your best player. Matthew Stafford is your highest paid player. Matthew Stafford is able to put up Hall of Fame caliber statistics on one of the worst teams and one of the worst franchises in the entire NFL. And he walks into the ownership and practically in tears is saying, guys, I just before I leave this game, I want an opportunity to win. And the fact of the matter is, it's not likely going to happen here in Detroit because I've already played 12 years. I've already put up these numbers. I've already had a Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver. I'm blasting through coaches. Guys, we stink. We're terrible. And the owners are sitting on the other side of the table going, yeah, tell us something we don't know. And for him to, to say, look, please, I want an opportunity to go somewhere else. And he's told the story where, you know, he and his wife were agonizing over this. But, you know, it's kind of one of those stories where 
you think something is going to be the response, and then you're surprised by what the response really is. Because if you remember, the storyline goes that the Lions' ownership was like, hey, look, we, we get it. We do. We understand. And you've been great for us. You've been great for our community. And look, we, we, we failed you. So to help you, you're always going to be a Detroit Lion. The bulk of your career is always going to be with Detroit. But to help you, yeah, we'll, we'll do what we can to make a move. And that is not the response that Matthew Stafford expected from Detroit Lions ownership. Uh, for sure. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, speaking of responses, did Walker Bueller's response uh, to his performance yesterday after a terrible September of an ERA above seven uh, in his four previous starts, did that calm any perhaps fears you may have had? Because it, I, I mean, it has a little for me, but man, it's just one outing out of five. And, and you know, I don't know. The Padres kind of stink here in the last month and a half. Well, not only do the Padres stink, but let's face it, when you get the E next to your name, and you've been eliminated from the postseason, what do you want to do? Uh, get this thing over as fast as I possibly can. And watching the Dodgers last night against the Padres, I see a team in San Diego that has completely given up. Clearly, they have nothing to play for, and their manager can try and sell, well, you know, we can still have an impact on this division, and, you know, who knows what happens, because if we beat the Dodgers, and then if we go beat the Giants, you know, well, what are you trying to do? I mean, if you're the Padres, what are you trying to do? Help the Dodgers? They're terrible. They've quit. They've given up on their manager. They've given up on their season. And all they want to do is get to Cabo. But, you know, George, we argued back and forth. You said rest these guys and stop worrying about the division. And I said don't rest these guys and go for the division. And Walker Bueller was one of the guys that you wanted to sit down last night. Seven innings, three hits, five strikeouts, no earned runs. Pitched a, a no-hitter through five. So I feel like, for me, this is what I was saying the whole time. Pitch Bueller, pitch Urias, go for the division, and keep on trying to win. Don't give up now. I mean, you're still two back with only five to go. I understand. <laughs> like, I understand. Like this is over, dude. Oh, I. by the way, I tend to agree with you today that it's completely over. When we were kind of battling back and forth about this, it was still a two-game lead for San Francisco, and there were still nine games. You know what the issue is here? The issue is, is that San Francisco is nonstop. They just have not – there's been well, no but, chink in the armor. But that was my point the other day, was that from August 1st on, the Dodgers had, won, had gone like 35-13 and 13 or 35-12 and 12 or something like that, and they had only gained one game on them. I know. Um, in, in almost two entire months. That's so incredible. what made you think they'd make up two in, in like in a week and a half? Well, I, I wasn't so much that, that they were going to for sure. It was just for me, it's a mentality thing. We're still going for the division win. We're not waving the white flag. We're not resting anybody. We're not accepting the fact that we're gonna have to play this this wild card. Because let me just say one thing about, about St. Louis. St. Louis is coming into these playoffs, and there's nobody, not San Francisco, not the Dodgers, not Milwaukee, there's nobody in baseball that is anywhere near as hot as what the Cardinals are. George, on September 10th, the Cardinals were 71-69. and 69. They were three and a half games back of San Diego. This is September 10th in the wild card. As of today, the Cardinals, remember, 71-69, and 69. As of today, 17 straight wins, 88 and 69. Think about that. In one, in less than a month, 
in 20 days, 17 straight wins have gone from two games better than 500 to 19 games better than 500. Gosh, I hope I just did the math right. 88 and 69. Does that sound right to anybody? Yeah, 19. That's right. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And let me tell you something. If I'm the Dodgers and I know I'm going into this one-game playoff against St. Louis, I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm pretty worried, actually. Uh, Scherzer on the mound, great opportunity. Uh, Bellinger back from injury. Hopefully he can heat up here in the next couple days. But St. Louis is out of control on fire. Okay, I, I'm going to tell you why I'm not so worried about St. Louis. And I want to actually get Bergman to chime in on this because he's Mr. Dodger Blue himself. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. One of my favorite Prince songs, arguably my favorite. It is my favorite. It's unbelievable. Such a good jam. I mean, his ability to just handle a guitar, dance, and sing all at the same time is completely unheralded. It, it I, I, you know, people talk a lot about guitarists, and, and no disrespect to Eddie Van Halen or Eric Clapton and all these guys. Play that, crank it right now. Listen to that. Listen to that. That is incredible. Um, Prince, as I think he is the most talented musician of our lifetime. Like I, I am willing to die on that hill. Wow. All those mus- all those guitarists that you were talking about before, Eddie Van Halen and you know Jimmy and all those guys, they all said that he's the best. Maybe not Jimi Hendrix, but right. They say that that Prince is the best. Right. right. So I think it was, it was Eric Clapton. If they say that, then you gotta gotta listen. Yeah, but there will people that will tell you Eddie Van Halen or, or Eric Clapton. But again, those guys will tell you that Prince was the best. Like it just that song right there, I, to me, proves it. You know, that was did Chris say nineteen eighty four? Is that the year? Yeah. 1984, this, this song was number one? Man, oh, man. What an album that was, too. I mean, what an era and, and a time. I can remember exactly where I am. 1984, I can hear that song, and I know exactly where I am as a kid. It's where just were you? You, That's what music does for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Where were you? I was a kid. I was a, probably a freshman in high school, and I was at the University of Miami at a debate tournament, and I just remember that song as being like the hot song at the time. Yeah. And I'm a freshman. I'm a kid. I mean, I don't have a hair on my body. I mean, you know, I'm just like a little boy. But that song, like just it resonates. It takes you back to where you were when you remember hearing it. For me, 1984, yeah. I'm a freshman in high school, and I'm at a debate tournament, high school debate, down at the University of Miami. Hopefully it wasn't a lot of math involved in those debates. Well, luckily for me, you know, there were no numbers involved yeah. in any of these debates okay, of any kind. And you had a fighting chance. I had a very good shot, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Speaking of, mus- of musicians, though, the Britney Spears story obviously is very popular today for obvious reasons, as people were you know, flocking this downtown courthouse here in L.A. Uh, for Britney Spears' conservatorship being suspended, her dad, Jamie Spears. Uh, now, he was, alleged, you know, according to the reports, he was also just having wanted it to be to end it as well. However... 
because of this new Hulu documentary that Lindsay was talking about the other day uh, about how one of her uh, security guys came out and said, yeah, we, we had her basically her whole house bugged, basically. Um, and it was because of her dad and the conservatorship. Um, you know, the judge was going to make the dad answer for all that stuff, uh, which they still will, by the way. There's still more to come on this stuff. It's not over, uh, but it is suspended. And good for her. Dude, she's a grown-ass woman. I know she's had some crazy episodes, but and, – and it's not that she doesn't want a conservatorship or doesn't want people to oversee her wealth, and um, but she doesn't want people intruding on her privacy, particularly her father. Like, it's just weird. They didn't even allow her to ride in her own car – the same car with her boyfriend. They were, like, forcing birth control down her. And look, I'm all about birth control and, you know – and. And, f- and figuring out, you know, whether for a man or a woman, right? Like, figuring out the birth control aspect of it. Like, I'm okay with that. But forcing someone? That seems absurd. And just all of the details that have come out are just scary weird, dude. It just seemed like the father knew, like, this is my meal ticket. So I don't want anything to mess with it, you know? So I don't need her getting pregnant. I don't need her being with that guy. I want to know what she's doing. I want to know who she's with. I want to listen in. It, it just... It's such a bizarre thing. You know, everybody looks at Britney. I think everybody should be looking at the dad. Like, what kind of psycho control freak are you, dude? Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's a crazy person. Um, so that thing got suspended, and it, you know, it, it will be more. There'll be more to it down the road. But for now, hashtag free Britney. There you go. So, um, all right. So, Bergman. Yes, sir. Bueller. Bueller. Did that sway your, 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 kind of your feelings about him at all. I didn't even know where you were. Where were you on this rest versus yeah, yeah. Uh, rust thing? So I, I was kind of on the side of resting them, especially since, I mean, with down, back two with five to play, I just don't see it happening, especially with the way that the Giants have been playing. So I was kind of on the, the rest version. I like that he pitched last night and he pitched well. I know it was against the Padres and they stink, but he he went seven innings. He no earned runs. His strikeouts were a little bit low, which is kind of bothersome to me because mm-hmm. that's that's a big big thing with him. He had five strikeouts mm-hmm. through seven innings. Mm-hmm. That's that's a little bit concerning against a bad team like mm-hmm. that too. That swings away mm-hmm. like the Padres. Cap, you know, well, dude, swing I mean, away. You you look at a guy like Tatis, okay, and and. Look, I don't know why they're even playing a guy like that right now because they're eliminated. So I would just sit guys who I don't want to, you know, see get potentially hurt, especially a guy who's been hurt all year three times. Um, I mean, this is a you know, Padre thing, but Tatis needs to take, get, go get surgery. Well, like now. But, you know, but you know, Tatis just as, using him as an example. I mean, you know what he's doing right now? He's just swinging for the fences. You know, it's like I get up there. There's nothing to play for. Wins and losses don't matter anymore. Maybe I can still impact the MVP race here in the last couple of days. So you know what he's doing? He's just swinging for the fences. He, he looks completely, utterly uninterested in everything that's going on. So well, I understand struck him your out point twice. about Bueller. I, but I get your point about Bueller that, that if you think, you know, he's a strikeout kind of pitcher, and he, quote-unquote, only had five strikeouts against a team that is mentally and physically completely checked out on the season. Yeah, he should have dominated that team. He absolutely should have. And it's, I mean, seven innings, three hits or whatever it happened to be. He was had a no-hitter going into the fifth. Like, yeah, all that sounds great, but there's been times that, you know, well, while he was not going well, where he would have bases loaded and one out, and that's something where he would get a strikeout and then a, you know, a pop-up or two strikeouts and get out of the inning. And he's not doing that. He's not striking guys out. He's not getting the swing and miss. And that's what I'm worried about. And I don't know if that is the rest part that needs to happen. Anybody here besides me have nervousness about two parts of this. 
A, it's a one-game wild card game. Okay, so and that's it. It's not three, not five, not seven. You got one shot, and anything can happen in one game. So that's number one. Number two, I said to you guys earlier how crazy the numbers are for the Cardinals, who have in 17 games gone from being three and a half games back of then San Diego in the wild card to now clinching the wild card and taking their record from two games above 500 to 19 games above 500. They're on fire, St. Louis. I just don't look at a one-game play-in scenario as automatic just because you have Max Scherzer pitching. And I would be, and I am, very nervous for the Dodgers about this one game, especially how hot St. Louis is. Anybody else with me here, or are you no, guys I, just super I, confident? I, just because you got not. Scherzer, that's it. Yes, because Scherzer has dominated the Cardinals, um, particularly recently. And Scherzer's the best pitcher in baseball. Yes, Adam Wainwright is good. Yes, the Cardinals have historically done well against the Dodgers in the playoffs. But this is why you brought in Max Scherzer. <laughs> this is exactly why you traded for him. So I'm fine with that. Um, the Dodgers are the better team. I get it's a one-game sample, but they are the better team. And here's the other thing. I hope the Cardinals win five more games. Yeah, Because right. they're I mean, not going to win. as hot as can be. Correct. They're going to lose eventually. It's the law of averages. I hope they ne they don't lose until they get to the Dodgers. That's Bergman? an interesting way to put it. I mean, like, yeah, they, eventually they do have to lose. That one, I'm not – I am worried about a one-game playoff. You should be. It's one-game playoff cap. Like, it's, that's how that's how that goes. But, it, look, if you, have, if you have to go by the numbers, right, then it's Scherzer versus Wainwright. Let's say they both go give up one, one run through seven innings. And then it gets into the bullpen. I trust the Dodgers bullpen to get it done at that point because of how well they've pitched down the stretch, how they've well they pitched all year long. So if it comes down to that, that's when I think the Dodgers are going to take over because their because their bullpen is so much better. Bergman, you're generally a nervous Nelly though when it comes to these moments. Well, it's baseball. You always say it. It's just baseball, and it's, it is it's just a, baseball. A one game playoff in baseball, which is all just ridiculous anyway. Terrible. That a team that's going to win like 105 games, but it's awesome to watch. Oh. Let's not you know, well, okay. Unless it's be... your team in it, then it's really terrifying. But it is <laughs> awesome to watch. Right, There's a they... reason. There's a reason more people watch the one-game playoff in a one-game situation than, like, the first couple of games of the next series. Sure, but I still wouldn't want a 105—I don't care what team it is. 105-winning team, game-winning oh, team. Wait. In the Stop. In the wild card? Stop it. If the Giants were to lose the one-game wild card, how would you feel? If they were to lose in it? I would feel great, but I shouldn't be in Thank it. Thank you. No, but so no. Don't but, say but, don't say any team. No, that's I, not true. They shouldn't be in it either. The teams that the best teams they need to fix this because it's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever to have the best teams in baseball playing in a in a wild card game for one game. We want to Hashtag. see them. It's Sorry, just baseball. Ahead. No, go ahead. No. Hashtag ridiculous. 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 Phenomenal. Three syllable word. Listen, um, yeah, I think it, it, I'm with you, Bergman. I think, it's, I think it's unfair. And let me just say this. If it wasn't the Dodgers, and let's say we were talking about the Padres and the Cardinals, I'd still say it's unfair to have a one-game playoff in baseball. No, and, but, but here's, my, here's my thing on this. I want the teams, and I have become a Dodger guy, like because I've, to, I've told this story. I used to root for the Yankees. I still, I'm sure, I, deep down, probably want the Yankees to do well. But I don't watch the Yankees every day. You know who I watch every day? The Dodgers. So I'm in on the Dodgers. So, but I love, and maybe this is because I liked, and Greg knows this about me because I've known for a, you know, like we've worked together a bunch. 
Like, I like to live on the edge with my teams. Like, give me, like, game seven every night. Like, I love that kind of stress going into a game because that's what makes sports fun. Now, Greg does not believe that, and I know I'm in the minority on that, where most of you want the path of least resistance. But I do not. I like playing with the fire. I got you. But game seven is we've gotten to game seven. Game one is we just spent 162 games to get to only one. Let me ask you guys this. It's going to be fine when they win. Well, but okay. Now, but what if they lose? What what if they lose? Then and it's a disaster and it's a complete waste of an entire season and it sucks. That's how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. Like like if, if the Dodgers win 103, 104, 105 games, whatever the total is, and they wind up losing because St. Louis got super hot in the last month of the season, and they lose the game, we're all going to be sitting here going, it's unfair, it doesn't work, baseball has to fix this. I don't even understand. Why the love for the one game in baseball, but the hate for the one game playing in basketball? The, national, the Nationals did it just a couple of years ago. And Sedano, you don't, wanna, you, wanna have, you don't want the least resistance going forward? Never. Why? Never. Why would you want Never. the hardest road possible? No, I want the hard. Want the hard. Way. No, do you give really want? Do you really want the hardest road? Are you doing this for like because who wants to actually see a tough road? Dude, all let the way me through? tell you something. Yeah. Okay, we all know what basketball team I grew up rooting for. Okay, yeah. do you want to know the most fun time of my entire life was those years LeBron no was there because they lived on the edge constantly. Not okay, by, not by design. I, but it was awesome. Okay, it was <laughs> so back years much. Later. It was so no. In the moment, it was so much fun. I have never. It was like every game when LeBron was there because everyone hated them was like game seven. I loved every second of that. I love that everyone's doubting the Lakers because I want the Lakers to have that feeling. And the Lakers have, in general, when they're good, have that Game 7 feeling whenever they travel into a building, and they certainly will have that this year. I think it's going to be awesome night in and night out to be a a Laker, uh, Laker fan because of that, because every team is going to give you their best punch. And in baseball, you don't get that as much because 162 games, even way more games, twice as many games as there is in basketball. So you don't get that. But this, the highest leverage, bro, give me the highest leverage situation. I feed off that. I love it. Yeah. You, know, you know what Until I want to do? I want to lose. No, you know what I want to do? I want to watch them go through and destroy everybody are. and then say after the season's over, being like, they were the best team ever and they you, destroyed all of you. you that's what I want to do. Cats. That's, that's not, not scaredy cats. It's fun. It's being no, able to not. just talk. Destroying just talk everyone is not fun. No. You know oh, what's great, great about sports is the stress that your team puts you through. Because what happens is when they when they grab victory out of the jaws of defeat, that's the most fun because those are the games you remember the most. You know what game you remember the most as a Laker fan? When Shaq and Kobe were down 21 damn points to the Portland Trailblazers. And what you remember is them, you know, punctuating that moment by freaking Kobe lobbing it to Shaq and Bob Costas on national television going, Kobe to Shaq! And that's all you hear, and that was right? Amazing. And the crowd is going bonkers because that is what makes sports great. Yeah, it We're really back does. in three minutes. Oy vey.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. By the way, uh, obviously uh, weird that Lindsay's not here and Greg's going to do Radio Tinder, but very nonetheless, weird. we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, very um, weird though. But Greg, I was doing my Hulk Hogan wrestling promo and you stepped on me at the end. I know I did. I stepped all over it. I had some good, <laughs> I had some, a good point in my brain, but I should have just shut up. I mean, you, know, you you couldn't tell when I'm sitting there yelling like you've worked with me long enough. That was a, that was me having the moment where you know the. You know. I'm, I'm you sorry, Chris, because when he, when Chris goes over, he's gonna be like, "God damn it, I can't use this now." Probably yeah. shouldn't say that. Yeah, that's exactly what he's gonna say. Um, don't you remember though, Greg? Like when when Hulk Hogan was being interviewed by Mean Gene Okerlund, Mean Gene would just set him up. And then Hulk would say, well, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. And then he would go on and on and on. And it wasn't like Mean Gene was going to bring the microphone back and go, well, let me ask you this, Hulkamania. You got to let the Hulkster do his thing. Yeah, I should have. Even if we, even if we don't up. agree with the Hulkster. I mean, I don't think you or Hopefully. I agreed with Sagano. I, mean, I, I, I would like to hear Bergman's rebuttal after that, but sure. But we could do that after the Radio Tinder. Go ahead. All right, so Radio Tinder. And I have no idea if you have done any of these, so I'm just go along with it and pretend like you haven't. Sure. <laughs> Shaq doesn't want to be a celebrity anymore. Did saying, we did that one yesterday. Did that. Dang. Next, they, next. I said play along. <laughs> I said play along. But we literally, Sagano. it was the first question yesterday at this time. <laughs> Oh, man. I was at the Dodger game, so I definitely didn't hear that. Well, then I only have two more, so we only go ahead. Go just that. go with the other two. Hopefully, yeah, they didn't do them. We didn't do them yesterday either. Go ahead. Austin Reeves. Oh yeah, we did that. One no, we did not do Austin Reeves. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, Woo, but right. I know the story and it's awesome. Go ahead. All right, Austin Reeves was just given a roster spot with the Lakers and played yeah. pretty well in summer league. Sedano, you should know. You I, I was there. Yes, yep. the kid from Oklahoma. He's a yep. good player. Yeah. Apparently, his nickname is Hillbilly Kobe. Yes. So swipe right or swipe left, I think this is how we do this, on if you like this nickname for him. I'm swiping right on it because his college teammate gave it to him because he is just not – he doesn't fear the moment. He will take the shot whenever he's got it. Um, and in Summer League, he did that. He had a game winner against the Kings. I was there for it. I did that game. Uh, it was awesome. It was super fun. He's a great kid. Um, and I just like that he's got his, his chance. Um, you know, I, I love it. Swipe right. Awesome. What did you say the second word was? Hillbilly what? Kobe. Kobe. Oh, Hillbilly Kobe. I was like, I didn't exactly hear what you said. Wow, Hillbilly Kobe. All right, I'll swipe right also with George here on this one. Look, I like when a guy could be a girl. I like when an athlete finds themselves an opportunity. You know, and I, I did watch some of the summer league, even though that's been completely opposed to everything I stand for in my life. But Sedano got me guilted into watching summer league basketball this year. And I saw the kid play and I saw that they just recently signed him. And I thought, you know, good for him. What a great opportunity. You play through, you know, high school ball and college ball and you just want a chance. And to have the nickname Hillbilly Kobe, that's hilarious. I'm all in on it. Swiping yeah, his right. teammates gave it to him. It's awesome. I, I love it.
right, what's next? It's cute. All right, so this is one of Lindsay's questions that she said that I could use, so I'm going to do it. One gambler enjoyed the United States' 19-9 win over the Euros at the 2021 Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits a little more than anyone else this past weekend, taking home almost $1 million on a 12-leg 8 dollar parlay. Somehow this sports better correctly predicted the outcome of all 12 singles matches during the Ryder wow. Cup on FanDuel Sportsbook. That means the better correctly picked Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Daniel Berger, Dustin Johnson, Lee Westwood, Justin Thomas, R- Rory McIlroy, Ian Poulter, Patrick Cantlay, and Scotty Scheffler to all win the respective matches. Then, as if that wasn't difficult enough to do, they also had to predict a tie in the match between Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland, as well as another tie in the Jordan Spieth and Tommy Fleetwood match. Wow. Making the predictions even more unlikely... The better would also have to have had the following happen. One, a previously winless Rory McElroy defeat a previously under, unbeaten Xander Schauffele. Schauffele. Schauffele, sorry. Thank you for correcting me. Scotty Scheffler defeat world number one John Rahm. And Paul Casey was a miss a 10-foot birdie putt on the final hole to give Dustin Johnson a win. Have you ever won a crazy, unexpected legal bet before? Swipe left or swipe right? Uh, I, I, I have not. Uh, swipe left. I, the closest I came, here's a funny story for you. On my bachelor party, okay, so this is like 2011, all right, in Vegas, February, okay? It was a really fun trip. I actually ran into a bunch of NFL players I knew, and they actually paid for our bottle service at one club, which was awesome. <laughs> That's um, cool. Mostly because one of my friends who is a professional uh, card player taught a bunch of these players how to play blackjack really well. Um, and they were like when they were playing poorly, he my friend literally stopped them before they ma- he made a bad decision and said, hey, bro, you play football. I play cards. Listen to me. We'll all make money. Mm. And they did. They made thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars with my with my buddy. However, back to the gambling story. So we're at the sports book at the Aria Hotel and there was a bunch of NBA games is February. Right. So um, I was like, yo, like we should put together a crazy parlay like multiple team parlay. We each put like a hundred bucks or whatever and let's see if we get it. So we each put in like a hundred bucks. It was like six of us. It was like 600 bucks to win. Like, I don't know. It was crazy. It, I want to say it was easily like five or $6,000. Maybe it was 500 to win like five or six, whatever it was. It was like probably like over five grand was the total. I don't remember the exact details. So we hit four out of the five. The only reason we hit the fifth one was an over for the New York Knicks and somebody else, and Amare Stoudemire didn't play, and we missed the over by four points because Amare sat out that day, and I was furious that we missed it. But that's about as close as I've come. Well, I'm going to swipe left and tell you that I have won one, and it's only one big crazy bet, legal bet in my That life. would be right, actually. You'd be swiping. Oh, yeah, then you then swipe I'll right because you did Which it. Which way did you swipe, George? I swipe left because oh, I didn't. And I'll swipe right. I just got, I just, I, okay, I'll swipe right. You know, Bergman, you went through that whole bet, and that's crazy because when you started going down this road, I thought, oh, well, what's so great about this? All the guy did was take the Americans to win, and he got lucky. They all won. But then when you started getting into this guy's got a tie against that guy, and I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of weird. And then the next guy has to tie against that guy. Jeez, really? He got this? I mean, that is insane that this guy put this ticket together. But I'll tell you guys, do you guys know what a pick six is? Does anybody here know what that is? Yep. Okay. Horse racing. Pick six. Mm-hmm. You got to pick six winners in a row. And it's really, really hard to do. And um, so this is a few summers ago down at Del Mar. Me and a group of guys put together money. Everybody put money into the hat. 
and we said, okay, here's how much money we have. Let's just say it was like $500, right? And then we're going to start making our picks. Well, we go through every race. We make all of our picks, and we get down to the last race. And we've got like two or three horses in the race. One is two to one. And if, if it wins, it's going to pay like 10 grand. One is three to one. If it wins, it's going to win like, I don't know, 12 grand. And one is like nine to one. And if it wins, it's going to pay like 25 grand. And lo and behold, from out of nowhere, lightning strikes. And the longest shot on our ticket winds up winning the sixth of six races. And we wound up winning a twenty-five dollars to $30,000 pick six at Del Mar and there were a whole bunch of us in this thing. So when I actually got my money, I think I got like maybe two or $3,000 out of the deal, but it all came in cash because somebody else had to go cash the ticket and they had to pay the taxes on it, man. I have never won a pick six since I play them all the time and I can't win them. As a matter of fact, this past summer I had a pick six ticket. I was five for five through the first five races. And even if we would have won, which we didn't, but even if we would have won, we would have lost half our money on the ticket because all the chalk was coming in and winning. So only one time, Greg, one time, one major bet that I won 30 grand on a ticket. All right. Even though that my is show was uh, like th- three grand. Radio Tinder each and every day at 530 here on the show. Coming up next, I do want to hear Bergman's kind of uh, rebuttal to my uh, whole Dodger one game scenario. You should enjoy it. Don't be so scared. You scaredy cats thing um, in a moment. Plus, speaking of, uh, you know, I mentioned basketball earlier. My bet was basketball. Russell Westbrook going all in. I'll tell you on who in just a second. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So we were talking earlier about Scaredy Cat Greg and Kaplan about the one-game situation with the Cardinals. I By get, the way, again, I call I want, it realistic. I call it realistically worried. Okay, yeah. The, uh, the Cardinals, I want them to win every the, the last five games. I want them to come in with a 22-game win streak, okay? So that way, the numbers fall in the Dodgers' favor because they're going to lose at some point. Um, on top of the fact the Dodgers are better than them, on top of the fact that Max Scherzer has dominated them this season, literally has not given up an earned run against them, I am unbelievably confident that they're going to win. Now, it doesn't mean that they're going to win 7 to nothing like Greg would want them to win. It could be 2-1, to one, and that would be epic, okay? Because here's the thing. This is my argument on this stuff. If your team is the team that wins in, like, crazy, exciting fashion, that game is way more memorable, okay, than anything else. I used earlier the example of the Lakers being down to Portland by 21 points or whatever it was during the game and 15 going into the fourth quarter and then Shaq and Kobe punctuate the the game where Bob Costas, you know, makes the call, Kobe! To Shaq! And then, you know, the crowded stable's going crazy. Everybody's going crazy or whatever. And, by the way, here's another another Laker moment, right? I, I mean, they were losing to Boston in Game 7 of the 2010 NBA Finals. And, you know, Kobe's pulling down rebounds and Ron Artest is hitting shots. And, you know, it was just insane, right? Uh, you know, Sasha Vujicic goes to the free throw line, right? Like, you remember those details of those crazy games. 
You don't remember the 7 nothing games that well. You don't. Um, so that's why, to me, give me the most high-leverage situation because at the end of the day, it is the most rewarding part of your fandom. I'm on the other side on this one, and I think Bergman and I are going to be on the same side. So it's going to be two against one, which is a rarity for me to actually be on the side where I've got a little backup here. Um, St. Louis is playing Milwaukee right now, and Milwaukee has a one nothing lead, and it's early in the game. They're in the bottom of the fourth. But look, to me, all these things that you're talking about, George, are important moments in playoff history, but they didn't get there in one game. They finished the regular season in 82 games. They got through a playoff series, maybe another, and maybe this was game five or maybe it's game seven. But the bottom line is you've put in all this work to get through a marathon of a baseball season. You've gone to spring training and played 30 games or whatever it is. You've played 162 games. You've battled through injuries. You've worked so hard all season long to try and win the division. And little did you know that the Giants were going to be as good as they are. And now you find yourself in a situation with one of the great records uh, that baseball's ever seen, and you're going to play one baseball game, which determines whether or not you call your season a success or a failure. And it's only one game. Now, look, if it's, if it's one game and it's game seven, I have no problem with that. But I do have a problem with it's only one game. And I think baseball should think about this now. I don't care if it's three games, five games, no way. seven games. I no think way. baseball should say, look, you are rewarded for having gotten through 162 and making it to the postseason. One game is not enough. That's not what baseball's okay. about. Baseball's you, about a series, not about a game. Yeah, you, you weren't. You're, they're never going to reverse this. The numbers are through the roof on television for these one-game series in the wild card. No, through they, the roof. They shouldn't. They shouldn't change it. You're right, George. They shouldn't change it from a one game. But it's more about to Cap's point. Hopefully, is that they should restructure it. Once the season is over, you put the teams with the two lowest records in the wild card game to try and get in. Now that's different. Now that makes sense to me. I have see. I see. What I'm saying to you guys is this: if the Dodgers lose how will you look at this season will you look at it as a success or a failure if the Dodgers lose this one game playoff if, if the Dodgers lose anywhere that's not hoisting the trophy it is a failure okay agreed but 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 to lose this game and and look because it's only one game it's a coin toss it, 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 it it's not about well you know what over a series this team is better, and that's why they were able to win the series. It's just one game. And in sports like hockey, basketball, and baseball, we have been, I mean, our whole lives, they've been about series, not about one game. The Super Bowl's different. But the Super Bowl's one game, but you had to get through the regular season, and then you had to get through the different rounds of the playoffs to earn your right to get in, so we all know it's for all the marbles. I just feel like 162, a team like the Dodgers, and by the way, it could be the Giants if, if the Dodgers were to win the, the division. I just don't think it's right to have a team like the Giants or the Dodgers find themselves in a one-game playoff. Now, again, if you wanted to restructure and you took the two teams with the worst records and you had them play it out, I got no issue with that at all. And if the Dodgers were one of those two teams, then so be it. But to be this good this year and only get one game and you're look, again, you have no fear of St. Louis. I am a nervous Nelly. I do have this fear. When you're on this kind of a run, 17 straight, you're on fire. You feel like nobody can beat. You feel like you, you can try and lose and can't lose. I, I just think it's a very dangerous spot for the Dodgers. If they win, I don't care about the St. Louis Cardinals. If they lose, 
I think you're going to hear a lot of Dodger fans griping about it. Of course they're going to gripe about it. Like any team in that scenario. By the way, you don't have to be a 100-win team. They're going to gripe about it in that scenario. But what I'm telling you is this. I want all the stakes all the time. Give me the drama. That's what makes sports fun. And now maybe they can tweak it to Bergman's point where – you basic, but then Bergman, you're basically saying divisions don't matter, which they don't. Like, they don't. I don't give a crap about divisions, but you know, I mean, really, they don't care about divisions. They don't matter, right? I don't care either. So I'm fine with that. But the one game playoff is going nowhere, okay? And just don't be such a scaredy cat. It's going to be fine. So to your point about how you want all you want all the smoke and you want all these guys coming all of in, it, all of it. I know you do, but so like the, it was great. I agree with you that it's fun when those moments happen, like when the Lakers were in the bubble and Game Two against Denver and Anthony Davis hits Anthony a shot Davis, over, right? Crazy over, shot over yes. Nikola Jokic. Great, it was amazing, and everyone went crazy. Yeah. And it was, I, I remember it. However, you grew up a fan of the Yankees. I've talked about it hundreds of times. They have twenty-seven rings, and they love to throw it in people's faces and tell them how. Oh, we dominated through. We won all these World Series in a row. We did this, and we just ran through everybody, and that whole thing. Yeah, but they that's what I want. Everybody, that's not true. They they had crazy moments to win games. Like certain you know moments. I mean? like, yeah, every year they had in the playoffs. They had crazy moments. Okay, they like, never found themselves saying, "Hey, look, it's it's one game, and that's it." It's no, a seven but, but game here, series, Scott, you're focusing on, more, on there's more games. You're focusing on the one game. It doesn't That's matter. Right. Your season boils down to one game no matter what. I understand. I totally get you, George, and I hear what you're saying. What I'm saying is, is that if it gets to game seven of a series, we all understand this is it. This is where it comes to an end. But it's so hard this to is really, it. This is where it comes to an end. I know, if, it's if, hard, if it's, it's hard one to game. fathom that I that I I'm, I'm putting myself in the in the position of a player. Gosh, we just went through spring training. We just went through all these months. We went through the dog days of summer. Yeah. Look at how great of a season we have, yeah. and all we get is one game. And right. And your and, players' association signed off on it. So deal with it. Deal with. Talk to them about it. Well, and how come everybody has such a big problem with the NBA's one game plan? Like everybody complains about. That. I didn't have it. I was sitting here saying it's the greatest thing ever. I liked it also, but you know, again, the Lakers wound up winning that game. Had they lost that game, I'd probably be like. Well, this thing sucks. I don't like this thing so much. You know what's oh. awesome about it? That the yeah, the Lakers did win and they won in exciting fashion. LeBron hit a game winner over Steph Curry. And then the other part was holy crap, the Warriors are on the brink. And then everyone's like, oh, the Warriors are gonna beat the Memphis Grizzlies. Nope, that's not what happened. That makes it interesting. I'm fine with it. All right, listen, we never got to uh why um uh, Speaking of the Lakers, Russell Westbrook went all in. I'll tell you who he went all in on in just a second. If you're a Laker fan, you're going to enjoy this. Trust me. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 